Hey everybody, welcome to a special edition of Tell the Damn Story. Uh, this week, Chris and I were working on a different project involving young people, and we were interviewing a couple of writers that we've talked to before on the show, and we felt certain uh, excerpts of that interview were really, really valuable. So, here's a special edition of Tell the Damn Story. Hope you enjoy. Um, we're here with Alex Simmons, the founder or co-founder of Kids Comic Con, um, Kasim Gaines, a man of many accomplishments, which we will talk about in a minute, Omar Holman, another legend we're going to have to explain in a minute, and let me explain what we're doing. Uh, KCC is in con uh, collaboration with New York City's Young Men Initiative's COVID-19 response for this workshop, and it's going to center on issues confronting Black and Latino boys and teenagers as they attempt to navigate academic, social, and racial barriers. Today, we're going to talk to two creators. Uh, well, three, because Alex is here. Um, but uh, these two, while they may have enjoyed comics, they write uh, prose books. And we're going to talk about some of the stuff that they do. Let's talk about Cassine Gaines. Yep. All right. Cassine is an author, a director, an educator, and a pop culture historian. Bet you didn't know you could have a job like that, huh? All right. <laughs> I sure did His work has received uh, praise from media outlets around the world, including NPR, uh, The Hollywood Reporter, Esquire, and Publishers Weekly, all who said very nice things. Uh, his muscular reporting, that's a quote, has been celebrated <laughs> in several New York Times bestselling authors, included Michael Davis and Brian J. Jones, who have found his work to be, quote, deeply researched and engagingly written. Um, he has written, let's see, we can go from the beginning, um, Inside Pee Wee's Playhouse, which was in 2011, um, and won the Independent Book Publisher Book Award uh, Silver Medal in 2012. Uh, its follow-up was A Christmas Story, Behind the Scenes of a Holiday <laughs> Classic in 2013. Then there was We Don't Need No Roads, the making of the Back to the Future trilogy in 2015, which went all around the world, published in multiple languages. Uh, and then there was um, The Dark Crystal, the ultimate visual history, which he did with Disney. How about that? But upcoming is Footnotes, the black artists who rewrote the rules of the Great White Way, um, that's going to be published uh, next month, May of 2021, Jesus. and it. Um, we're going to talk about it later because it is new territory. There it is. <laughs> Very exciting work. Your finger covering the cover. Put the cover. Oh, there we go. Here we go. Take two. There we go. There there go. Or, or, or there we go. There you go. Footnotes I, everywhere. I, I, I'm the one up there. The, the best-selling. <laughs> right. That guy. That that fine-looking guy right up there. All right. Now, Omar Holman is an alumni po poet of Rutgers University and has completed, uh, has competed, excuse me, in slam poetry for numerous years with two final stage appearances at the National Poetry Slam. Yeah. He has been featured on Button Poetry, TEDx, and a commercial for La Prague Whiskey. He says, we out there. Uh, and in 2014, Omar Holman co-founded the Black Nerd Problems website with William Evans, where he spends his days writing essays on pop culture, blackness, and making top quality gifts. Yes. We're gonna talk about today. Yeah. Uh, this book is coming out in uh, July 6th, 19, uh, uh, 2021. Actually, it's September Black now. Black Nerd Problems September. by William Evans September. and Omar Holman. That's, oh, September? Yeah. Back. Oh, okay, so we move back? Well, you know. The whole world has moved back. We're okay with that. Um, and, oh, well, you know, uh, I'm going to just leave that alone. Uh, this is a collection of essays that talk about so much pop culture. We're talking about uh, Naruto, Green Lantern, Batman, uh, let's see, Being a Nerd, um, The Lion King, um, <laughs> Into the Spider-Verse, Food Wars, Anime, Avatar. Oh, man. Um, 
quite a quite a bit there. It just keeps going on, and I have more to talk about. As, as that there's, it's almost every essay is a secret weapon, but we'll talk about that. And I love the cover. Can I just say that? I love the cover great. of it. Isn't that a great cover? Cool. Just pops, pops off. Now, Alex Simmons, among other things, you know, we've talked a few things, but he also has this book right here, Black Panther, Tales of Wakanda, which is a groundbreaking anthology from the African diaspora with 18 authors writing about one member or the other of the Black Panther family, including one by Alex Simmons. Nice. There we go. So, you know, very, very creative people here. And uh, what we want to talk about um, is where it all came from, you know. Um, what were you into when you were a kid? Let's start with Omar. Let's talk about, like, I don't know, middle school into high school. What what were you what were you attracted to for fun? You know? Uh I was really into I liked stories and um I remember seeing my father's comic books back in must have been early nineties something. And my brother had comic books as well. Um and then I got into it around around middle school. I always liked watching like, you know, the static shot cartoons or whatever. Um always like watching like hero cartoons, started reading it around high school. So I just like I'm like, oh man, these just it's like like how my mom would watch soap operas. I'm like, oh, I get to see soap operas with like superpowers and people without powers, just different ways of storytelling, these different characters. I just that's what really uh drew me in. Now, was there a moment excuse me, was there a moment where it's stopped being just stories and you started saying, Well, someone is someone human is producing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember there was an assignment from our uh, creative uh, writing teacher, uh, one Mr. Ryan, who we had to bring in a scene. Everyone had to bring in a scene uh, from a movie, um, and they had to talk about the scene and like you know what emotions were conveyed. And I, we were in the we were in the library at the time, and I was like, I well, my favorite scene is from a comic book. Is that all right? And he was like, Yeah, you can you can you can do that if you want. Like, all right. And so I printed out a scene from a, it was Daredevil when his um his his identity was exposed. And I'm just like, man, the way he's talking about this, uh, he was behind a bunch of reporters. They're waiting to expose him or whatever. And he's like saying he's the man without fear. And I'm like, this is like this is art right here, because I'm like explaining to the class, like this is the emotion being conveyed right here. You can't it's not playing out like in a in cinema or a film or whatever. But like, look, you can see it plain as day on page, like which is a skill to me. And uh, I think it was there where I was like, oh, man, like this is not just like a story to enjoy. But like, no, this is something you can really take apart. This is like uh, this is. This is literature. <laughs> this is art. This is <laughs> There you go. That's beautiful. Now, now I know a little bit of Cassine's uh, uh, secret origin of pop culture historical king over here. Um, <laughs> if I remember correctly, it has a little something to do with your grandparents. Is that right? Or your well, right? <laughs> but so my um, it's funny. This this wasn't the story I was going to tell, but my grandfather. Uh, you can tell too. Um, it's okay with me. <laughs> well, I'll make, I'll make it quick, Mike, because the, the real story I wanted to, so my grandfather um, was a uh, a great pioneer of um, pirating film and television. Um, he got a subscription to, HB, to HBO back in the early days and would just record everything on VHS and had this meticulous, <laughs> this beautiful yes. cataloging system of, <laughs> of just everything was numbered and cataloged, and it was mm. it was beautiful. It was a work of art. And so I would um, just pull movies from this cabinet that he had these, you know, some people had fine china in a cabinet. Mm-hmm. You know, he had yeah. these, we these had VHS. <laughs> VHS <laughs> of pirated films. And, uh, and so, you know, when the company was over, you'd, you'd pull up a good, you know, imitation of life, original version, you put it in. Um, and so uh, what I would just watch films all the time. And some VHS tapes that I wore out certainly were things like Pee Wee's Big Adventure, Little Shop of Horrors, um, Great Muppet Caper, Howard the Duck. These were some films that were just in heavy rotation to the point where sometimes I would watch the movie and quite literally just stop and rewind it and mm-hmm. watch the movie just again. Um, but the thing that I think really got me interested in the creators was the Twilight Zone. And even as a kid um, in elementary school, I had an uncle, my uncle, My oh, I still have an uncle, Uncle Miles, who is um, big into Twilight Zone. And he <laughs> he has a way of talking to you uh, like everything's a secret. You know, like he's always, come here, come here, come here, come here. 
<laughs> have you, you know, there's going to be a marathon on TV. Do you know what a marathon is? It's going to be a marathon on TV. Everything was a, it would be, come here, come here, come here. Can you get me a glass of water out of the fridge? Like everything was in the, that, was, yeah, that, that was just his style. That just is his style. And so um, he he put me on to the Twilight Zone, and I fell in love with this show. Um, the original then, series. The original series. The original yeah. series. Um, this is when I was in elementary school. But then when I learned <laughs> number one that these were by and large short stories. Um, my mother would find anthology books that had these short stories in them. And wow. that to me just blew my mind that these were actual, you know, a writer wrote these things and then they became television shows. Um, and then I had a great book that I carried around. In fact, I still, it's within arm's reach, I think, um, that I still have my version from the 1980s called The Twilight Zone Companion by Mark Scott Zacree. And it's all of these uh, making of episodes, it, you know, right. behind the scenes stories. And um, I remember- so behind the scenes, your your one of your early favorite books was about behind the scenes of one of your favorite <laughs> shows, and then you went off and did a series of books about behind the scenes of your very favorite shows and movies. I see, I see the connection. <laughs> and, a, and a full circle, a real full circle moment for me was um, it was that book and a book on. Uh, Our Gang, The Little Rascals by Leonard Maltin. And I reached out to both Mark Scott Zacree and Leonard Maltin um, when I wrote my Back to the Future book. And both of them read the book and wrote blurbs. So for me, the greatest, one of the greatest moments of my, you know, writing career was having Mark Scott Zacree and Leonard Maltin say great things about my Back to the Future book when single-handedly those two people I credit with anything that I've I've written um, that's a behind-the-scenes story. Leonard Moulton, famous movie reviewer, and the other guy's name? Uh, Mark Scott Zacree. He's the one who wrote the book behind the series. Twilight uh, Zone. Twilight Zone, so, man, it it definitely does come. So let's talk about where your voice came from, um, going from the things you stumbled into and kind of played around with in high school and college to how it became what you are today mm-hmm. so uh who did we go with first last time omar let's go with yeah, I, I, I was first last time oh, oh, look, 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 look. I'll, I'll go i'll go um <laughs> i think Kyle, it's funny because I, I always i grew up watching stand-up comedy and um it's uh it was just me it was me and my mom uh, my parents they were, they were still talking whatever they're uh divorced not to go right into that but like I, my mom it was uh, me and my mom and so like it was like an unwritten rule. Um, and when my sister and brother would visit, it was like an unwritten rule where if you're getting in trouble, it's okay as long as you can make mom laugh. Ah, there it is. So it's like it, so that like humor became like my thing uh, for that. And also it's a good it's a good it's a good defense mechanism. And in uh, high school, it was funny because like it was just like where you learn. It's kind of like finding your voice there, like where you learn like what jokes work and what doesn't work with a different group of people when you're creating like. Um, you're creating art too. You're like, all right, well, you like you. There was a good line where I, I said something like outrageous, and you were like, I was like, oh, my mom comes out, and I tell her, oh, be quiet, whatever. He's like, all right, I ha-, it was just for a poem, and you were like, for a funny effect, but you were like, I highly doubt that you're gonna be telling your mom the <laughs> Which you like, like, all right, like, oh, that's and that taught me like, okay, let's make, yeah, sure, the exaggerated is funny, but like, how about we make something more believable as right. as well? You know what I'm saying? So we can do it that way. Um, well, it's the, you know, it's it's the thing you learn in the classroom when you're cutting up in the classroom to read a room. Yes. Right? yes. You learn to read a room yes. and then you, you tailor it and you find out that, the you know, the stem of the joke based in reality mm-hmm. allows you to get away with the, the uh, exaggeration as the punchline, you know. And exactly. That, but yes. you learn that in the back of a classroom, you know. Yeah, reading the room, and that became like a valuable tool, like when performing as well. Like, all right, you're, I mean, performing or reading an excerpt in front of people, like, you you get a, a feel of the room where it's like okay this how about it's always for me it's always easier if I enter in light because that like oh let me I'm I'm bringing you in with something funny and then we it's easy you can't what uh, what's the saying you catch more flies with honey than vinegar right uh um, my brother is like forty and he he loves that saying I don't know he, I don't know he's sold with old man but like, I, I agree I, with him yeah <laughs> I bring you in with this lightness. All right, and then it, it, your your guard is let down, so now we can explore these things. It's like, oh, oh wow, I didn't like you know these things you didn't see coming. 
um, when um, these serious topics or whatever. And then we, we can, what I like to do is we can go in heavy. We don't have to end on the heavy. We can go back to the light and then back to the heavy. It, it, it is a roller coaster. It doesn't have to just be, oh, it's something funny. Like in, po- in poems, sometimes it's like at a performance, oh, it's here's something funny. And now we got to the serious topic. Oh, wow, there's a turn and we stay here. Like, no, it, doesn't, it can be funny. There's a serious yeah. thing. Now the, the challenge is how to get back to the funny thing. Uh, well, it's book ending, right? So, yeah, yeah, exactly. You, you uh, get over in class if you get the teacher to laugh. Then even you get in trouble. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Then get her to laugh again. Exactly. <laughs> um, Usually out of detention. Um, um, what's funny? Uh, what's funny is, um, I mean, really, with the humor thing, I'm really just trying to be funnier than Cassine because this man beat me out in the school newspaper. <laughs> I know you're tired. <laughs> about in terms of reading the room, the feedback, you know, not everything was a gem, <laughs> you know, but 
you would learn something um, about it, you know? And I, I just relished that. And I would experiment with different, sometimes it would rhyme, sometimes yep. I would write a sonnet, sometimes it would be funny, sometimes it would be poignant. Um, and so that to me was so incredibly important for finding my voice. And I remember when I was writing my, <laughs> pardon me, my Wee book, uh, my first draft that I handed in, my editor, you know, kicked it back. And one of her big notes was, there isn't enough you in this book. You know, I, I really was, it was my first time writing a book. I was going, yep. to, very, I was going to write a very serious book about Pee Wee Herman. Talk about know, it. And, it was very, very serious. And, um, and she said yes, to me, yes. Yes. <laughs> she said to me, you know, the reason why, you know, we acquired this book from you is we want you telling this story. You are going to tell this story in a way that is going to be different than anyone else doing it. So you have to tell it in, in your way. And, and so I did a, a good rewrite between the first and second draft. But um, that's one of the things that still for me is something that I am always working on is making sure the stories I'm telling are what I find interesting, hopefully someone else will find interesting and someone else maybe would have the same assignment and they would write a completely different book and a different work. And that's okay. Um, that's, that's one of the, uh, that's one of the secrets of, uh, writing and ideas. And, you know, if you're into say fashion or if you're into, um, art or if you're into movie making, if there's something that is, that you're really into, you can you can just take it for granted that there's going to be an audience for that. Mm -hmm. and you being authentic in your passion for that, whatever it is, because whoever's watching this might have a, a thousand different passions, but uh, accepting that in and knowing that, okay, I have something to say too, and that that's enough. And just the, the next part is the learning how to say it um, the very best you can. You know, that's the journey I watched you two go on, you know, and here's Alex Simmons. I think you're muted, Alex. Muted. Alex, you're muted. Or you're doing like an interpretive <laughs> dance. I'm not sure. Yeah. Alex Simmons. My dog. My dog. Alex Simmons no mime class there. Muted. But anyway, <laughs> both of you guys, uh, Kasin and, and Omar, have, have talked about uh, a lot of the influences and the experiences that you had in your youth. And, and, and have reached this point now where you are producing material for the masses. How did being young black men factor into that? I mean, you writing about Cassine about Pee Wee Herman, who was not a young black man, at least <laughs> time I checked, he wasn't. <laughs> you know, you know, uh, how, how, did, how did your perception of his world or Dark Crystal or, you know, how did, how did being you affect that writing and 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 how did you see yourself in terms of that and the same thing for omar how did being you and being a young black man uh affect what you said with your material and what what you were observing and commenting on how did how did that work the same well that's a funny that's a funny question because um it's, I don't know if it's anything that I've ever really thought about consciously. And the first time I thought about it, and this is going to sound kind of silly, but um, it was, I think it's a little name dropping, but I think it was NPR wrote a, a review of the, um, the, the Back to the Future book. And um, they commented on something where they said, like, I had, um, there was some like, like social commentary they had written into, like they, they had noted, and because I had written in the book about how um, Chuck Berry almost did not want um, Johnny B. Good to be used in Back to the Future because of sort of the idea that this white teenage kid, Marty McFly, mm -hmm. had invented rock and roll. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, that was basically the idea. And so because I had just spent time on this in the book, they had commented in their review, I think it was NPR, said that, you know, there were moments where they didn't say my they didn't say agenda. It wasn't it wasn't they weren't being critical about it, but they sort of said like where I had um 
infuse some social commentary into the story of the making of this film by highlighting that. And to me, that was just a thing that occurred. It was just a reality of what occurred. It's I can also see certainly though how perhaps someone who um, was not a black person maybe would not think about that next step of what the implication is of this white teenage kid essentially inventing rock and roll and Johnny be good. And maybe that's something that I perceive um, because of who I am. You know, I, I've always just, um, <laughs> I've always had a pretty, a, a pretty strong sense of, of who I am um, and been pretty comfortable in my own skin. Um, it's, it's funny to me now that I get to like write about Pee Wee Herman and Howard the Duck and all of these, like it's, it's, it's humorous to me because for a long time, you know, um, stick with it. You know, if you have like weird things that you like, you know, stick with it because eventually you, you may be able to live in that space um, and play. <laughs> but I, I just know how to tell stories that are of interest to me. Right. And I think things that are of interest to me are informed by people I've met, experiences that I've had, my reality. Um, and that reality is informed by being a, a Black person in New Jersey, in this demographic, you know, in, in this um, place where I grew up. And, and that's all I can ever be. And I think where I have done worse in my writing career or in my teaching career even is when I have tried to be something that I was not, you know, where I've tried to conform um, and pretend, you know, and I think that people know when you're faking it, okay. you know, when you're, when you're being true to yourself and when you're being true to the, the version of the story that you want to tell. Omar. Um, I, I think mine is, uh, it's a bit twofold. Um, my my, geez. my dad. Uh, all my dad ever talks to me about is black history, African history, uh, indigenous history, and taxes. Ever since I was a kid, like I, and like you think, like, oh, like obviously you've had a conversation about something else. No, it it was it was that was the only thing he would talk about. That is it. So when I found comic books, it was like, all right, I got, I knew that, oh, well, there's something you like, but you never talk about it. So this is something I could be good at or whatever. And it was just the thing I liked for myself. And it's funny because like, it's like, it's so weird how, how life, maybe how lessons work with parents. Because all this black history he was talking about. And I'm like, all right, man, if you over, if you give so much of something sometimes, like, right, I need a break, man. Just, all right. But now I was reading a comic book. And when a character that I like is black, dies off. And it's like, what the hell? And I remember seeing Mr. Ryan get upset about that as well. And it's just so funny that, like, oh, even here, um, it's not like not as a form of racism or something, but like it's, it's it's even here where even a fictional character gets treated a certain way, and we'll say it's for sales. We'll just say it's for sales or something like, but like it's not that. It's, it's something more, right? It's if it's sales, and you don't believe in this character. Why? Why don't you believe in this black character as aside from this white character? All right. And so I was like, well, whoa, what my dad was talking about is even affected here. So that's where I really like. Mm -hmm. All right, well, let's talk about this here. And then as I got older, uh, I felt more like comfortable talking about it because I have like the, the tools to talk about it. Um, and in, it's funny, you see it in uh, when I was writing um, in poetry, even uh, there was a, I have a poem titled um, 10 Things I Want to Say to a Black Nerd after uh, Jennifer Falu, who had a poem said 10 Things I Want to Say to a Black Man. And I was performing at a college. And it was a it was a predominantly white college, and I was I told him what I was gonna do, and uh, one of the organizers was like, oh maybe I don't know if that she was being very polite about it, like I don't know if that poem will uh, I don't know if that will translate or let's, let's say whatever, and I'll get it. And I'm like I'm older, and I'm looking at it, I'm like yeah okay I, yeah I hear what you're saying I'm gonna do my poem, and <laughs> it's like oh well it's I mean one it's not like I understand your concern. Or whatever, but like you brought me here for a reason. I told you what I'm gonna do. You want me to change what I'm gonna do? Like I, I'm, like, I was like, I'm not getting paid for this. Whatever, I'm gonna do what I want to do. But also like, I, it's trust. Is it not? It's trust. I'm not gonna, you know, it's just trust me. And if I, I think I'm good enough to make an audience of white folks laugh, an audience of black folks laugh, and like I can make them laugh together, which I did. And um, there was a piece I wrote about uh, an open letter to black people in horror movies with a friend, and we were on. I was on a team. And uh, the coach of that, the coach on the team of that team, he's like, I just don't, he's like, I don't under, I just don't, 
I'm trying to phrase. It wasn't mean, but like he said, I don't get it. I don't think this is funny. And it's a white dude. And I had to sit him down and be like, this like one, it's me. Two, I know humor. Three, this is hilarious. But I'll fine. I see your concern. Whatever. Let's do this at this one venue, which is a predominantly white venue. I'm like, if this, if it, if they laugh here, then it proves without a shadow of a doubt. It does. It does not matter. Like it, it translates. We did it there, and everyone like. We did it there, and the rest of the story is that 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 poem became our opener whenever we uh, whenever we slammed because it worked. And it's like it's a thing of like just trust me to know. That's the only time where I've ever been like, you're not gonna get this because you're you're not black, but trust me, this is funny, and people that aren't black will still think it's funny. You're stop being you're 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 being too cautious right now, and so it's it is that being black and to be a creator, man. There's there's art that's seen as alternative because of the color of your skin. Whatever, it's a different way of doing things. It's still a fine way of doing things. That's all, and you got to be critical about it just a bit differently. It's all, and it's funny. With the you will see the the creators that are of that culture will criticize it one way, and those outside of it through a different. If, if they don't get it, it's the the crit the the criticisms kind of it, it'll feel a bit off or whatever. But if you do get it, it's like oh okay, then you can criticize it like a. Uh, like any other piece of art. I hope that made sense. I, I hope I wasn't ram. I hope that made sense. Can I? Derek, it leads me to what I want to say, but Kasim put his finger up. Did you want to say something, Kasim? Just, just one quick thing, and I think that this can't be um, forgotten. You know, something that Omar's kind of getting at and something that I think, you know, I was dancing around maybe in my, my answer too a little bit is I think, you know, to be a, a Black person in America... Um, certainly from my experience, I won't speak for all black people in America, but you know, a lot of the, a lot of what is your culture in America is what is, you know, mainstream culture. Um, you know, there are plenty more black people, I'm sure that watch friends, for example, oh, than yeah. like white people who watched living single or Martin or something like that. You know, I think, so I, I think it's it's a little bit tricky because it's funny now. Like there are all of these people that are like, oh well, you know, uh, you know, top ten books to look out for by uh, black authors in 2021, and footnotes, you know, comes up on that list. And it's funny because I was still a black author before I wrote a book about mm -hmm. black. People. You know, I was still a black author, but somehow those books like didn't count in terms of me being a black author. You know, I wasn't turning up on those lists and, and being allowed into that club, if, if I'm being honest about it. And it so, would be really interesting to find out who created those lists. Exactly. Yeah, right? exactly. I, I suspect they look closer to me than to the rest of you. You know, because, exactly. oh, look, we're, we're going to specifically look out for black authors because this happened. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. Now, I want to talk about that because whether it's serendipity or whether it was part of your master plan or whatever, America is an abyss right now. It is broken in many different ways. There's a trial going on right this minute that is should be done. It should have been a five minute uh, uh, trial. We also, or, or, or at video. least at least eight minutes and forty-seven seconds. At Thank least you. that one. That's that, but that should have been all that was needed, right? Eight minutes, forty-seven <laughs> seconds. Here's what he did. Look, and if you want to see it, we got four screens. We'll show you all the different angles. We're done here, right? But America doesn't know how that case is going to go out yet. In 2021, it still doesn't know where it. Sh I mean, it absolutely should. And at this time when there are people who are uh, uh, speaking out and there are um, platforms for them to speak out in ways that they haven't, then we have you two who I'm you know, uh, honored to know, and you're coming up with work that, I don't mean to embarrass you, but I think that both of your works that are coming out this year might need to be required reading in high school. Okay. First of all, we have, and I'm going to try and, I don't know if we can get there. There's footnotes. There's footnotes. I, yeah, you go footnotes. <laughs> where here was a 
superstars all through the cast. Um, a, a great track record of success for this. And then it kind of got tulsored out of existence, right? They wanted to wipe out any, and there was little re uh, re resurgence of it. Uh, but now in, in 2021, you're going to have a, a detailed study of what went right and then where it went mm -hmm. and why it went where it went. And it asks, it seems to me, I haven't read it yet, to be completely honest, um, but it seems to me it's going to ask the questions. You know, it, it's not like I have a copy like I do. Of, um, <laughs> <laughs> I think it might be lost somewhere in that wall yeah, of books. Yeah, that's probably what it is. Um, <laughs> It, it seems like it's going to ask the questions or bring up, hey, when do, when do we finally deal with this? Yeah. That art for art's sake needs to surpass these limitations. You know? And all Alex of is muted again. I think Alex is speaking. I, I'm sorry. I keep muting because I don't want background noises to interfere. What piece of art are you talking about? Because you didn't actually set up the... No, no. Uh, oh, footnotes with with footnotes. What? what well, so the, the, we'll let we'll let Cassine yeah. go. Give it a little expl explanation, Cassine. So yeah. the, the quick and dirty pitch is: in 1921, there was an all-black Broadway musical called Shuffle Along, which was a groundbreaking musical. Gave us Josephine Baker, Paul Robeson, um, and the show essentially disappeared. It was. Uh, Pillaged, co-opted, um, Tulsa, Tulsa. Um, there's there's a whole there's there's this much material on, on what happened, <laughs> <laughs> what happened to it. But um, but yeah, that's the short. So shuffle along is the, the work of art that we're that's at the nucleus of this book. All right. So now a I, successful Broadway play at the yes, time. Yes. In 1921. Yes. Okay. And wiped out now. Similarly, at this time, coming out in September of this year, is Black Nerd Problems, where you use humor and pop culture references, you know, while, while uh, Cassine uses actual pop culture quotes and that kind of stuff, you lace in references at like a machine gun pace. You and, and to be uh, fair, William Evans as well who is affecting my vocabulary. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> the explanation of what a black nerd problem is, um, the Lion King, Batman, Into the Spider-Verse, Anime, Food Wars, um, Avatar, um, let's see, um, the Black Card, which I don't know if we'll have time to talk about all that. Green Lantern. <laughs> and I mean, there's so much stuff that, that is in here. But one of the things that, that like Cassine's uh, uh, book, one of the things that happens in this, both with your writing and with Mr. Evans, um, you start off each essay, light, pop culture, references, punchlines, very funny. And then there's this turn. Mm. And the collective impact of reading black nerd problems is that you uh you know <laughs> uh people of culture color are going to be like yeah that's right <laughs> but you know for someone who may not have experienced they're going to be confronted with how how thoroughly permeating the ongoing in uh institutionalized casual racism is how present it is yeah. in black America or in, in people of color and in ways that are um, awakening, sure, sure, but also heartbreaking and um, just the, the depth of a casual little conversation. Like you talk about your love of uh, Green Lantern, mm -hmm. right? And you even have your first tattoo was the Green Lantern symbol. There it is. Bam! <laughs> there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Okay. <laughs> you talk about why you love them. Like a memory. <laughs> you talk about why you love them, but that essay is really about the differences between the way the Green Lantern Corps, kind of space police, the way they enforce or protect people, mm -hmm. and the way... Uh, police in America often 
enforce. Yeah. The difference between protection and enforcement or violent enforcement. Um, it goes from love of Green Lantern into a deep reality that, that it brings you a, a whole different experience. You know, and, and to balance it out a little bit, William Evans does the piece where he goes to the Comic-Con, I think, in Columbus, Ohio. Yeah. And so, you know, Friday night, he's ready. He's got a cool shirt. Someone says, hey, cool shirt. And he, that guy's dressed as uh, Deadshot. And, they, you know, they kind of nerd out on this thing that that guy bought, which is a big sword. You know, one of those memorabilia swords. He sees the booth. And it's the uh, Game of Thrones sword. It's the... Um, Final Fantasy Seven sword and all that stuff. And he's like, this would be so great. And, and if I can paraphrase, he says, and then there's a very sobering moment. And he puts it down and compliments the guy and all his cool stuff and walks away. Because the calculation he had to do as a black man was this kid was dressed in cosplay mm -hmm. a month ago and got killed for having a plastic sword on his hip. Shot mm -hmm. six times, four times in the back. And he had to do the calculation of what are the odds of me getting safely from this con to my car with this sword? Completely changed the dynamic of a Comic Con as we know it, mm -hmm. you know? And that is the revelatory experience. If, imagine being a high school kid today of color. And opening this and and reading essay after essay after essay about oh shit oh, excuse me oh that happens to me <laughs> sorry only guy only guy to curse the essay in the whole thing I just blew the interview yes <laughs> that means Omar wins <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't me yes they're thinking now we have to rethink who we have to host these things um, but. You know, there'd be there's so much confirmation of the experience and education. If you haven't seen it, you better learn. And at the same time, think of I mean, I grew up uh, as a teacher, you know, mm -hmm. um, around theater kids. I got pulled into the theater program. Uh, uh, games Apologies. Game at that time. It wasn't your fault. <laughs> you know, it is what it is. Right. You do what you do as a teacher. All of them. All of them that I've ever had the experience or the, uh, the honor of, of working with on a play, including this gentleman right here. Mm -hmm. um, I see them reading footnotes and seeing the same thing and knowing that their experience can be different. Can, mm. not will. You know, it's a very important time. I want to hear the two of you talk about. It. Yeah, that's that. You know, I want to. I just want to say one thing. Um, you know, and this is again. I I have not read Black Mirror Problems, but the the book. But one of the things that um, I always love about Omar's writing is there's always the beat drop. You know, there's always there's always the moment, and now sometimes the beat drop is is not really a stop. Sometimes it's the start. You know, sometimes it's like the roller coaster is going up, and the beat drop, and then it's just boom, and then you're going. You know, um, and then sometimes you get like a double beat drop, and and you have to you have to keep up with him. Um, but there is always there's always what's happening and then there's something underneath what's happening yeah and then and then if if you really keep up there's like one more <laughs> underneath what's happening oh yeah and um and and i i like i i know when i i hear him i've heard him more than i've read him omar you know <laughs> so i know that when omar opens his mouth like you've got to <laughs> So, you know, you got to sign. You got to get out of the way. You Trap to, in, right? You just put the safety belt on because you know we're going around corners on two wheels. But you're, but you're rewarded for it. You know, you are rewarded for it as a, as a listener, as, as someone experiencing it. And you know, I, I think that is such a lesson to learn, um, because I think so much of, you know, 
I think where you're going with this with this question, this topic is I think so many kids, students, especially I think young men, which is what this conversation really is for, feel like reading is a chore. You know, feel like, oh my God, like, you know, someone is handing them a book and then someone is saying, here are all the important things you're supposed to get out of this book. Mm-hmm. And very often the person who's telling you that isn't someone who looks like you. So maybe what they are getting out of the book is maybe something different than what you would get out of the book, which is which is life, right? I mean, that's life. Mm-hmm. But I think being able to have something that um, has so many different access points, and I know that's what Omar does with his writing. There's all there's a thousand different entry points. You know, it's like Caesar's back, right? You know, there's just like point, point, point. Uh, <laughs> it in. You like that? Uh, so... I I feel like, you know, I'm excited for, I'm excited to read it, honestly, truthfully, but I I just know that um, there is such a value in someone being able to read an essay and pick out something that they resonate with that might be something different, because that's how great conversations happen. And you should be able to have conversations in school about what you're reading besides, did we have homework and can I get it? And sometimes, you know, sometimes those conversations start with what you're listening to mm-hmm. or what you saw on name the platform and or uh, uh, station and then going more into that. Then you grow into the reading and then you go into, you know, wherever you wherever you can hook in to ideas. You know, I mean, you love, there's so many different musics, musical acts that you loved and you loved really old stuff and stuff that was happening right as, you know, you were living to scene. And uh, I've learned how deep your uh, uh, musical history goes, Omar, and how much you throw right out of the conversation. Hell with those guys, which is hilarious. We just had that conversation the other day. <laughs> um but that you would have that kind and know that that you have agency, that you have a voice, love it or hate it. In my classroom, you can talk about whatever it is. But if you hate it, fine. Just explain why you hate yes. it. Yes. Yes. You know? As long as yes. because that's that's the skill. You know, yes. that's the skill. And, you know, the pandemic, they're losing that skill. So hopefully we can uh, bring it back. But. Everyone should have a thing to say and, and bring it into some connection. Um, what I'm positing to the both of you, if that is the word, is that I think your both of your works, your upcoming works, are really important to the culture as it is right now. It both books need to be experienced because of right now. And I, you know, what do you say? Do you agree? Disagree? Um, are, are you ready to deal with that? Yeah. Yes. Um, I, I just, that was funny. That was like the best reaction to anything I think I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> you know what's funny? Um, There's a woman, uh, Brittany Williams, who's a writer, and um, it was a couple. It was one of she. She is a theater nerd. She loves theater. And uh, on our website, she wrote about uh, Shuffle Along. She wrote about a play. That's when I first uh, when I first uh, heard about it. Did it? I don't know if it came out around the same time as Hamilton. Uh, I think, but uh, she was like, same year, like, yeah. yeah, she was like about it really getting towards. I was like, huh. And then it was so it was just so dope to see like a scene writing this book. And I'm like, oh, what's about Shuffle? I'm like, oh, oh, it's all it's all like it. And it's just like we talked about. Oh, this thing where another person uh, is into this as well. And it seems like we had a, an article on it. Cassine got a whole book of like behind the scenes, like theater, uh, theater facts, theater nerd, uh, theater nerd things. So like in that, in it's it's so funny. Like they say, like oh, a nerd, someone that knows a bit about a lot of different things, and like a geek is someone that knows like a lot on like a specific thing, like a lot on specific things. And see so you tackle that. I'm like. Yeah, so I, so I, which is to say, yes, I will send you a copy of Black Nerd Problems in exchange for this book. Um, you got it. Deal. But also, like, can I? It feels, feels like me and Alex were left out of that deal. I don't know oh, what happened. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, also, like, 
it's just funny. It's just funny how things line up because, like, we were talking about this trial of the dude that uh, killed uh, killed uh, George Floyd, and it's just funny how, like, you know, like America, like now in a term, in a in a time of turmoil, or whatever. And for for us, a lot of times, like, mm, this is this is like uh, this this is every this this is typical Tuesday, baby. Like, right. you know, we, we look back, Rodney King, um, Abu Diallo. Like, we, there's there's so many other times we can name these things happening, and um, it's just it's just it's not it's not funny, but like. Uh, I would, I'm not it's, it's sad. Yeah, you know, it's sad. And yeah. and if if there's any any if there was ever a moment for America to finally say, well, yeah, you can't deny this one. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. it's the. I mean, everybody has seen this video. Everybody, and it's a it's going to really reveal our shortcomings mm. if we can't deal with the simple fact and you watch those defense lawyers are jumping through hoops yep. trying right. to figure out but we know yep. you know we know what the reality is and what were you, oh, you going to say though Omar I, I was going to say um cuz like we knowing knowing the reality and having seen this played out more and more times and like they have like it's like a magic trick like for the defense team to be like a magic trick of like trying to get around and like no no being when you're a creator that's black and like you put out a work of art it kind of seems like it it always it's some somehow some way it'll always line up to like what's happening with what's going on like with be it months be it years from now it always it always line like somehow it always lines up like uh, what happened to a certain what happened to that uh, Orpheus uh, who was created by Alex Simmons uh, the way he was killed off that stuck with me throughout all my life and it made me see like which went into writing the book I'm like it made me see like where there there are more examples of this happening am I the only one seeing this well I don't know if I am but like let me point out each and every one as I grew up I will I will note each and every single one. I imagine for that was one of the essays that you wrote. Yeah. Yeah. I imagine uh, Kasim being a theater kid, you know, these things you love and you see like maybe it's it's a different thing. Like, oh, this black uh, this black lady happened. But then like, where did it go? What, what happened to it? Like maybe you've seen other instances of that in theater as well, which drove you to write this. I mean, I don't, I don't know your story. You know what I'm saying? But like I, <laughs> it's a parallel of that in some way, maybe. Well, and to me, it's, you know, what I what I tell people is, you know, footnotes for me is not the story it's and it's a story yes it's a story of what has happened time and again in this country with whether it's the creation of rock and roll whether it's you know um different uh books creative works you know there are there are so many um black artists that are featured in this book um you can just you can just live in the index and the end notes of this book, um, and just get a, a history just by looking at the back matter, because there are so many people that just get forgotten and erased mm -hmm. throughout history. Mm -hmm. And I think the, one of the things that I really wanted to do um, in telling this story, number one, is looking at Shuffle Along as a case study of what happens throughout history, but also to sort of reclaim this idea and say, you know, we talk about footnotes as sort of these ancillary pieces of, of history or a book or whatever the case may be. But if we are lucky, what we do in this world will live on as at least a footnote. Mm -hmm. You know, we will at least be a footnote in someone else's lives, in someone else's history, um, you know, the names may be forgotten, but the work sort of exists if, if you are lucky. Um, and the work mm -hmm. might be, you know, your kids, a piece of advice that you've given. You know, it doesn't have to be a creative work, but you just want to do something on this on this planet um, that outlives you, you know. Um, and, and if you are remembered even this much, that's okay. And so I wanted, the, the book really is a love letter to all of these anonymous people that have in some way put their, their fingerprints into the, the cement of time, you know? Um, so no, I, I agree. And I think it's funny with footnotes where there are so many people that have sort of said and commented, oh, well, you know, the book is so timely now. And um, I felt like the book was timely when always. I pitched it. I feel like yep. the book was time, you know, it's, yeah, it, it is. It's always timely because 
this is the this problem keeps America. going on. <laughs> yeah, this is this is the story. It's a story of America. Um, but in in that in that, hopefully, there is a little bit of a roadmap in looking at what happened to a show like Shuffle Along. Mm-hmm. Um, if you learn from your history, you can perhaps avoid the pitfalls of it. Um, and I think that's something that we do very poorly in this country. Um, you know, and Chris, just to, the last thing to wrap up for my my little bit here is what concerns me about this current trial is even if there is a guilty verdict, it is the standard then that we need to have a video of watching the life taken out of someone for eight minute and 47 seconds. Is that the only thing that gets a conviction? In I, the hope, States yeah. of America? I hope not. I hope that it, resets the standard you know and i i come from a family of cops i you know I'm, it's going to sound like i'm truly anti-cop but i'm not but there's a standard in america that if you're a cop and you do this well there has to be an explanation and what i'm hoping for is okay sometimes the explanation is you're guilty mm-hmm. you know, and you're not fit to 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 wear the shield and then you're not fit to protect the community because i came up you know, a lot of cops who to help, you know, did they have more to learn? Yeah, yeah, this country has a lot more to learn, sure. Um, but there is, you know, they approach the work with honor and dignity. And, and what we're seeing is uh, those who may not or those who bring other stuff to it have been off, let off the hook so often Anywhere, anywhere that we can get a foothold in to say, okay, so there's the line. And then you bring the line back and then the line back, I would hope. Um, The thing that I want to go to as our second to last question Mm -hmm. is in this time with the pandemic and, you know, distant learning and all that sort of stuff, a lot of students are checking out. A lot of students are giving up. And a lot of students, they have looked at the last several years, you know. Uh, how the current president is trying, how the last president behaved, how the president before them was received, and they're saying, uh, why hope for anything? Why try for anything? Why believe, you know, why why pledge to this flag or believe in this country or believe that things can get better? And yet we have a gentleman like all three of you who continue to write, who continue to make statements to push the conversation forward. So I'm asking, what would you say to students, knowing all that you know, you know, what would you say to them about whether or not they should have hope, whether or not they should continue moving it forward? I'll let the young bucks go first. Damn right. That's <laughs> enough from you. Okay. All right. I'm going to let I'm going to let Omar go first. I don't know. If that's and a- Omar's going to let you <laughs> go first. Um, I remember having asked the same question of a friend, uh, Justin Wu in college. I was like. And I, I think it's I and it it's it things stay with you if you ask questions and if a really good answer uh, will stick with you. I forgot what was going on, but I was like, do protests? I'm like, do protests? Does it really change anything? Does it not need to be uh, something more? And he was like, there's a reason the king. There's no more kings in France. Like, and I was like, oh, oh, oh like, oh, like you know, there's like the king. Like, you know, there there's a reason. Like, we only got like we're down to like. In certain colonized areas, or you know, you're, you're down to one king now for for specific reasons, which is a a bit of a, a, it's a bit, I mean, but I'm like that state movie. But yeah, it's it's um, it's it really is it it really is that it is if it's, if you keep you keep put things can only be allowed if you let up. You keep pushing. It, eventually, something has to give. Eventually, it, everything in everything, something always has to give. You keep pushing. And how you push, it depends on your way. Be it protest, cool. Be it uh, creating content that's fun uh, to give people like uh, a breather, uh, escapism, also fine. If you're talking about what happens in uh, in theater to, to, with uh, with black folks in place, cool. You're talking about what happens in black uh, in pop culture uh, across, the, across the board, cool. There are all these different ways you can push against the norm and against you know uh, certain isms that occur, racism I'm talking about, but there's all these ways to push against. Once you let up, once you give up, that's when that's when the the empire wins, if you will. <laughs> Another pop. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Games. 
Um, I, I'm always amazed, you know, when I discovered that history is made by individual people who said, I'm going to try and do that even if it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. You know, like to me, that was the most powerful thing in the world that, you know, yes, there are organizers. There are, you know, we talk about Stacey Abrams. You know, Stacey Abrams is not one person. Stacey Abrams is an organizer. There are organizations, there are people on the ground that work with her, but there are people who say, this hasn't been done before, or maybe this hasn't been done in a long time, but I'm going to try it because I think it's important. And there are a lot of people that fail in that, in, in achieving their ultimate goal. But when you look at civil rights, women's rights, um, you know, LGBT community rights, when you look at all of these, these entities that have had to fight for their full citizenship and humanity, um, every failure, quote unquote, moves it a little bit closer to the goalpost. And so, you know, like, like Omar said about not letting up, you know, I think we all just have a responsibility to just push in whatever way that we can push. Um, and sometimes that's creating art. Sometimes that's just talking to your grandma, talking to your uncle and trying to, trying to just, you know, just have that conversation and, and doing that. But um, it, it's important because all of those little things help in ways that you can't always see, um, but they do, they help and they matter. And so to me, that's, that's something important to, um, it's always, it's always possible to, to be better than we are today. I'll, I'll and that goes for everybody. Alex? I'll jump in very quickly uh, and say two things. One, thank you, Omar, and thank you, Kasim, because you said, in your own words, a major portion of what I was gonna say. Uh, you gotta keep. You got to keep on keeping on. That's 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 the bottom line. Um, I was born in the 50s, and so I've been around for a while. And I can say things have changed. Is it perfect now? Is it is it well now? Is it all good now? No, it can always get better. Needs to get better, but things have changed. And as Omar said, the moment you stop, that's when you lose. That's when you lose ground. That's when you fall back. And I think one of the great weapons of people who are trying to push back is forgetting, obliterating history, obliterating accomplishments, making sure that we don't remember what's been gained, who did what to whom, for whom. Because the moment you can wash that away, then you got the next generation going, oh, well, nothing changed. Nothing's going to get better because it never has. Wrong, wrong, wrong. So our job as artists and as human beings is to reflect life through our lenses, through our experiences, whatever our passions are, whatever our particular favorites are, to reflect what has come and what is yet to be in ways that engage a total audience, whether it's an all-black audience or, in many cases, an audience, period, global because you guys are all reaching global status. You are reaching people in other countries. And whether whatever color they are, whatever culture they are, whatever predilection they may favor, they are attracted to your material, to our material, to a story that we're telling, which is universal in some way, shape, or form. And so we have to keep doing that. We, we have to keep doing that. And young brothers like you doing that makes me feel okay because when the day comes that I got to pass the baton, I know where it's supposed to go. Cool. All right. Um, Kasin and Omar, where can people purchase your work? Kasin, uh, you go because I'm a bad adult about this. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> you can you can purchase. Um, well, footnotes will be out May 25th, and so you can purchase it wherever books are sold. Um, and, and that's the, you know, that's the best way to go. But I'm also online at Cassine Games.com, C-A-S-E-N-G-A-I-N-E-S 
dot com and you can uh and you can find me there social media links are there and also um all my books links to your books yeah sure sure all five of them themegains.com omar holman where can people find your work and your books and you on the you know what's your website yo uh uh uh, black girl problems in september uh it can be found wherever books are sold my poetry book can be found wherever books are sold as well. Uh, you can find me uh, at. Uh, we were all someone else yesterday. Yeah. If you just type my name in Google, you can find me. It's O M A R H O L M O N. Real name, no gimmick. You know what I mean? That's that's that's. that's and, <laughs> and anybody can go to blacknerdproblems.com, Yes. Oh yeah. That's it. Yes. That's it. <laughs> Omar, you gotta open your that. I'm <laughs> <laughs> get this brother your team. <laughs> there you go. Clearly, there's other people in the office who handle that stuff. <laughs> He's an idea man, everybody. He's an idea man. <laughs> so, uh, All right, uh, gentlemen, thank you so much for this. Uh, I'm, uh, I hope that everyone who gets a chance to watch it uh, checks all, all your work out and um, you know checks out their own work. You know, because they all have and you know they can let information in and have their own opinion that's really so important mr simmons king of all <laughs> thank you for this opportunity uh, th thank you uh for us uh, uh carrying it through for for all of you for for jumping in and being a part of this um i can honestly say without trepidation uh you are great role models uh, you have no, no. You are, you are. You are great role models. You are young men to be proud of, and I look forward to watching you continue on your creative and life journeys because I, I know you're going to do nothing but great things. And so, I thank you. Problems, Volume Two. Gotta, gotta have <laughs> footnotes, footnotes, and for all. Uh, what was it? We were all someone yesterday. We were all else someone else yesterday. Yes. Someone else yesterday. Poetry, essays, footnotes, pop culture. We got it all covered. Anything you're interested in, pursue it. And the last thing, Live I'll, life. Yeah, the last thing I'll say is, young people watching this, uh, please understand, we all started from the same place that you did. We all started from childhood. We all have our own personal individual experiences. We all had certain curiosities. As you heard from these folks, there were people in their lives who said yes and encouraged them to pursue that curiosity and pursue their goals and pursue their dreams. So if you have folks in your life like that, excellent. If you okay. don't find them okay. and while well, I tell you what, if, if you don't have anyone, we're telling you yes right now. Right, exactly. Go and, and, go and pursue what you're interested in. And while you're looking for more than us to tell you that, remember it yourself. You have that permission. It is ingrained in you to do better than those of us who've come before you, even if they say otherwise. So, okay. Thank you very much, everybody. And it's been a pleasure. And I look forward to doing this again. Great. Excellent. Take care, everybody. Thanks, everybody.